0: Eagles Entertainment. Anything that move, I don't care how do it is. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown!
1: You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another day, and we're looking ahead to this season's first NFC East matchup as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 457. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my buddy Ben Fennel about the Eagles' week four opponent, and that is the Washington Commanders. It's a one o'clock start in week four. Washington, the number one third down defense in football back in 2022 so we're gonna dive into why ben and i have gone through the film we've gone through the stats we're gonna talk through what the eagles are gonna face in washington or against washington in week four before we get there as always make sure to head on over to apple podcast show us your love over there rate review subscribe you guys know the spiel at this point that said let's get into it it's time now for chalk talk let's get down to business it's time for chalk talk All right, let's jump in now as I bring in Ben Fennel to talk through what we saw on film and from the stats here. From the Washington Commanders in 2022, the number one third down defense in football, 31.9% conversion rate from Jack Del Rio's defense last season. They ranked third in the NFL in yards per play on third down, just 4.2. Uh, ben, I'm excited to dive into this because this was not something I expected. Um, I don't think I remembered that they were this good on third down, but uh, here we are. It was a, a fun study.
0: Yeah, I think it'd uh, surprise a lot of fans to think of the Washington Commanders as a defensive dominant team, you know, considering their win total and obviously not being in the playoffs and just middling there at 8-8-1 last year. But this defensive unit, when you kind of go back and dive into them, they are very well coached. They are disciplined and they got off the field a ton, as you had noted, that number one uh, rated third down conversion last year after having been 31st in the NFL the year Mm. before. So I wanted to really reflect on what the changes were from year over year because it was the same leadership. It was the same scheme, same philosophies. So I think they got some better play out of some younger players, got healthier in some certain spots. Um, But going back to that third down, they're also second in the NFL in completion percentage allowed on third down. So I think the first thing people would assume is, hey, that defensive front, man, they get after the quarterback. They also, you know, defended the pass really well on the back end as well. So I thought a lot of guys uh, really came to play last year. And there's some young players, I think, need to be household names. And I don't know what you took away on tape. I'm sure we'll talk about several things. But two guys right off the bat, Derek Forrest and Cameron Curl, Mm. I think are two really solid safety tandems or safety pair in the NFL that are young. Derek Forrest, obviously, entering in his third year. Curl, I think, entering his fourth. But those two, when they were on the field together and healthy, So really, really impressed. And I think the nucleus of these defenses, the linebacking pair, the safety pair in the NFL on third down, those are make or break groups. And if you don't have reliable pairs and guys that can tackle and play smart and make quick adjustments, you're going to be swimming most of the season. So we all know their defensive front. I was particularly impressed with that safety pair on the back end that maybe aren't household names across the league.
1: Yeah, you, you and I have not talked about this at all. We have not shared our thoughts about it. So I'm interested to kind of go into this cold and really kind of see what you and I took away from it. It's funny because one of the things, obviously, look, there's going to be a lot of attention being paid to that defensive line, and we're going to get to that group. But I also I want to give some love to that secondary. And you mentioned the, the two safeties, and certainly those guys showed up. Forrest made a bunch of plays in the front half of the year when Carl was coming back from the injury, uh, and Carl continued to ascend. You know, this was a guy that flashed as a rookie a couple of years ago, and continued to uh, you know make plays for that defense. And I think that showed up on this cut up. But uh, also I want to give some love to another young guy, uh, a second year corner, started the year in the slot, but then when they got rid of William Jackson, uh, the veteran corner on the outside, Benjamin St. Juice slid outside. I saw some really good things from St. Just as well. This is a long, really athletic player. Remember he tested through the roof when he was uh, coming out for in the NFL draft out of the university of Michigan, he began or he began his career at Michigan transferred to Minnesota. Uh, so I should say he played, was drafted out of the, uh, the golden Gophers there. But I think when you look at, uh, at, at this secondary, there are some pieces that they can work with. And when you look at their identity on third down, you know, a lot of people think of, you know, all right. Hey, when you get to third down, it's gonna be a lot of man coverage. With Washington, that, w- that was not really the case. They were the, their uh, Cover one was only their third highest coverage. They were 31st in the league in cover one percentage on third down. They played a lot of cover three. They played a lot of cover four. That's really the, what their identity was on the most important down in football. We're going to play a lot of zone defense, and they're going to match. They're going to do some things there on the back end, but they're, they're going to play with those two different shells from a zone coverage standpoint, and they're going to rally to the football and tackle. Not a lot of missed tackles uh, on third down at all.
0: Yeah, I didn't feel like the coverage schemes were all that exotic. There was a lot of zone coverage, as you had mentioned. But that's particularly why I think some of my first notes are incredibly disciplined. I felt like they passed off route concepts really well. They communicated well. A lot of that in that zone coverage. You see a lot of stacks and bunches on third down in the NFL trying to, you know, quickly get away from man coverage. So, you know, if you play zone on third down. Very easy to have coverage busts or have one guy not understand the pass off of his responsibility. And you see, you know, confusions all over the NFL on third downs. I think this team played incredibly disciplined. They rarely hurt themselves. And I think their tackling got better. The younger players played faster. Um, I think, you know, particularly a Jameen Davis, you know, year over year from his rookie campaign in 2021 to 2022, thought he played quicker, thought he played a better role for himself. And, you know, it was just a step ahead of, uh, you know, anticipating some action. So there are some really good players in that back seven, as we like to say, but I think we all want to talk about that front and just how dominant some of those guys up front are.
1: Yeah, we are. We're definitely going to talk about that group because there are some guys that really that stood out uh, in a number of different ways. But real quickly, just kind of put a bow, you know, what we saw from the secondary. You know, we talked about Curl. We talked about Farris. Feel pretty good that that's the, the safety tandem, right, in terms of, like, when they play with two safeties on the field. Now, they love to play with uh, what Ron Rivera calls their Buffalo package, and basically a big nickel, right, and Cameron Curl will come down and play in the slot. Their first two picks this year were in the secondary in the NFL draft band. They draft Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, who was one of the most productive corners in college football, set the FBS record for pick sixes in his career with the Bulldogs in college in three seasons. Um, so this is a guy that knows how to get his hands on the football has been an outside corner primarily. Then you look at Quan Martin, who they drafted in the second round out of Illinois, who was uh, Sidney Brown's teammate uh, up there at the Illini, the Eagle safety, Sidney Brown. And Quan Martin, he's a guy that's played some corner, he's played some safety, he's played some nickel. So when you look at those two additions, we take into account that they've got Benjamin St. Juice, who, as I mentioned, has played inside and outside. Kendall Fuller, the veteran, he's played inside and outside over the course of his career. How do you envision these guys being utilized, especially knowing that when they get into nickel, They are when they get the third down, they don't play base. It's like 2% base, it's all sub package, nickel and dime. So, how do you envision the the playtime being circulated, the utilization of all these DBs when they get to third down?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I I mean, I think, you know, collectively, once you get into third downs, third and mediums along, nobody's really playing base. So, obviously, you know, speaks to the league trend, but, you know, Jack Del Rio will deploy dime. They'll get six defensive backs out there. So, I'm interested to see how they view. Benjamin St. Juice, as you had set up, who had a really good season. You go back and look at his past breakups. He's got two against Savanta Smith, you know, one against AJ Brown, two against Justin Jefferson.
1: The ones again, that game against Justin Jefferson really stood out to us last year, watching it back. But then also like even just going back and watching this cut up too.
0: Yeah. I mean, he got beat. Certainly he was a young player, but he was very competitive. And I don't think he backed down against some of the bigger competition that he saw across the league last year just speaking to speak into that. So I'm interested to see if they want to give him a little bit more of a singular role, mm. not bounce him inside yep. outside, which maybe that Quan Martin can be the big safety when they get three safeties out there. Yep. Or maybe he's the full time competing nickel. You know, down the road. I'm um, not sure if they have Bob McCain back on the line. No, McCain's gone.
1: McCain is, I think he went to New York. He, yeah, he was, like, sure he's, he's, like a, he's like a
0: Johnny on the spot guy. You know, yes. he's a guy I kept seeing. I think he wore number 30 last year or something. Right. We'd see him blitz from time to time. A couple key third down breakups. Veteran player that's played for a lot of teams in the league. I think he's brother of Bryce McCain, too. Yep. Also kind of a hired gun defensive back that some of these godfather defensive coordinators go right to these types when they're kind of new at their teams because they can plug and play them at a number of different spots very smart players so I'm interested to see how the back end falls in line but I know they definitely want Derek Forrest and cam curl to kind of be the one two out there so I just want to see them healthy for 17 games and uh, I think as their you know draft picks and the players they covet in the draft get healthy and on the field, this is a really, you know, pretty complete defense. And uh, yeah. I think they, they fell into some nice players like a Cole Holcomb, you know, over the middle. But, um, you know, I think some of the high value players like Derek Forrest was a fifth round pick. That was a great value. Ended up being a starter in year two. Uh, but some of those higher end players that they, you know, took big swings on like Montez Sweat played 17 games last year. And it showed, you know, by leading the team in pressure. So as they get healthy and those picks and those capitals, you know, start to get themselves on the field, it's kind of working out.
1: All right. Well, let's uh let's start to make that transition over to the to the defensive front. Um, real quickly, just kind of again putting a bow on it. They uh Washington, ton of zone coverage early or on third down, right? That's where that's where they want to major in. Also, not a lot of press. They were 31st in the league in press coverage on third down last year. Uh Benjamin St. Juice, well out in front. I went over to next gen stats. He had 19 jams, which I think uh next gen they define it as making contact with a defender within two yards of the line of scrimmage. So uh he had nineteen of those on third down. That was like way out in front. And you, you go back. And watch he is the guy that they'll put up on the line of scrimmage. He's got that press man skill set. Um, but everybody else, they're playing, they're playing from depth. So zone coverage from depth, keep everything in front. Uh, they were fifth in the they were one, two, three. Yeah, they were fifth in the league in explosive pass percentage allowed on third down. So they weren't letting anything over the top, they were gonna make sure that everything was in front, rally, tackle, get to the football. So uh that, that the numbers kind of bore that out um from that standpoint. Now, that said, let's get over to this defensive front. Uh, you got Daron Payne. You've got Jonathan Allen. You've got Montez Sweat. uh, Those all three of those guys were huge, huge parts. All three former first round picks. That does not take into account Chase Young, who only played a handful of games last year, still coming back from that injury. Washington did not pick up his fifth year option for next year. Uh, they're, They're hoping to kind of wait and see if he can get back into form, knowing like, hey, you know what? Like, we're going to have to pay this guy any if he, if he hits we're going to have to pay him anyway regardless so uh let's it, it, the the risk is worth it in our eyes to not give him the option let's see if he can play this out and and return to form um but really i mean look there's a there's a lot of talent here when you look at that front four Ben.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, kind of the same approach the Green Bay Packers are doing with Rashawn Gary coming off the ACL, didn't pick up the fifth-year option, or I think they're deciding on it or something, but you want to make sure those players are back up to form before you commit to that. But uh, this team, as much as you want to talk about the front, and we will talk about those players, this is a team I thought was really good on their base fronts, really good in their sub fronts, and then had really well-called calculated blitz calls when they needed to. So, this wasn't a team that just relied on four or just relied on an odd five or just blitz. I think they kind of used the Rolodex really well. Yep. I think that speaks to their coverage usage as well. A little bit zone heavy, but played a lot of different coverages. I think they had five different six different coverage usages over eight percent, which yep. is pretty diverse. You know, they even worked in cover zero quite a bit so as well. Four,
1: but... four different ones over 10. Uh to, yeah, to your so point,
0: yeah. Very diverse. And this is actually the only team in the NFL. That was top five pressure rate, rushing five or more, and four or less. Okay, I like that. The nice. team that was very productive with their four, but also very efficient when they did have those, what I called calculated blitz calls. Because this wasn't a blitz-heavy team, but they did sprinkle them in. I felt like they sprinkled them in at the right times, which is what Jack Del Rio's, you know, that's his M.O., of making the right calls against the right anticipatory offensive schemes on third down. And I think they kind of hit that a lot. Um, but speaking to some of those guys up front, Fran, and why they're so good, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, when yep. you have defensive tackles like that that are quick and disruptive, that are also light-footed, so they have second reactions and they're relentless from the interior man, that is a recipe that will work on most defenses. And when you have big long presences off the edge like a Montez sweat to collapse it outside in, there's nowhere to go. And I think a lot of these quarterbacks, I man somebody's off of the line lost immediately right up front, there's nowhere to go. or if sweat maybe had a good first step, there's nowhere to go and climb up because you have such a complete front as far as rushers and plugging all those gaps uh, in front of the quarterback. So they come at you in a lot of different ways with a lot of really good players.
1: Yeah, I think when, you know, to me, just kind of watching defensive the defensive line play over the years, uh, one thing just kind of like simplify it down. is like, all right, what are the different ways you can win? Can you win with power? Can you win with speed off the ball? Can you win with technique? Can you win with effort? Like, are you seeing a guy that's able to make plays in all four of those different ways? Because if you have a lot of different ways you can win, Well, depending on the opponent you go up against this week, you might need this club out of your bag. And if uh, then the next week, hey, you know what? This guy's really stopping my bull rush. I got to lean on my speed, or I'm going to have to lean on my effort. Whatever it is, if you have all those different ways you can win, well, that's going to give you a lot of chances at success. And when you look at Payne, you look at Allen, both of those guys – can win in a lot of different ways. There were some embarrassing, and when I say embarrassing, I mean for the offensive line, some embarrassing reps uh, from those guys on film, where like Payne just obliterating offensive guards, or Allen just embarrassing offensive centers or offensive guards. And uh, what those guys were able to do uh, with their bull rushes, uh, with their hand swipes, some of the motor plays that they made in pursuit out to the sideline, just outstanding examples of, of guys that can be disruptors from the interior. They both led the way. They were both tied with six and a half sacks each on third down they were the only team in the nfl where their two leading sack guys were defensive tackles (laughs) again it's kind of speaking to there were only five teams where their number one guy was a defensive tackle and you're talking like quinnon williams dexter lawrence chris jones dafaris buckner like those guys all led their prospective teams on third down but no team had two defensive tackles at the top of the pile so i think when you look at Payne and allen to me, like this line starts with those two guys. And I know like Montez Sweat, he was the one who had the best win rate on third down. He had the best pressure percentage on third down. Uh, he finished in the top top 20 in the NFL amongst qualifying defensive, uh, defensive linemen in both of those categories. But to me, like it starts with Payne and Allen.
0: Yeah. You know, Daron Payne just watched that week two game against that poor right guard. I think it was Logan Steinberg. Uh, he got beat outside, beat inside. Then he went right through him. Yep. And one of the notes I had watching Payne, I went, ran through all his pressures really fast. Surprisingly slippery. This guy is really slippery and can get skinny through holes, whether that's, you know, those quick arm over moves or you want to reduce the surface area or just being part of a stunt. And being the first guy through, he's not always just pinning. He's kind of slipping his way through as well. So for a guy that's as strong as an ox, and he's kind of a slippery rusher, it's a dangerous combination. And Montez Sweat, obviously healthy, played 17 games, led the team in pressures. He doesn't have a deep pass rush arsenal. This isn't Max Crosby going off the edge where you don't know, or Chandler Jones, you're not knowing one of 12 moves he's going to hit you with. This guy was very disciplined in how he rushed. Was very long, set very physical edges, even as a pass rusher, maintained pocket walls and took some inside moves. It was a very segmented kind of, you know, what he was going to do, but he did it very well. And this Washington unit, they allowed 15 scrambles on third down. That was pretty high. It's actually the third most. Hmm. So, what is that telling you? Either the quarterback's got to get out of dodge or there's nowhere to go with the ball. So, there's scrambles happening on third down, but only three of those Went turned into first. first downs. Yeah, yep. Which is really impressive. So they're either creating disruption, tight coverage, and then playing well late in the down, mm-hmm. which I wanted to see not only third down excellence, I wanted to see some third down lapses. Were they giving up some 20 plus explosives? Were there the missed tackles? Were they really good in the first three seconds, but then giving up those heartbreaks on the last three seconds? As we see so many big plays in the NFL happen late in the down and improvisationally. No, the one word with this unit. So disciplined. And I think that just comes up in so many different avenues, whether it's the zone exchanges, whether it's the tackling, or just staying on your P's and Q's and being relentless for five, six seconds into the down. As we know, some quarterbacks do escape. And he had to play Justin Fields and all sorts of mobile quarterbacks. So this unit was really fun to watch. And they were dominant in a variety of different ways. Credit to Jack Del Rio. This unit was well-coached and showed up on the field.
1: Yeah, you, you mentioned the way they varied up like their four-man rushes and their blitz percentage. They were 21st in blitz percentage according to PFF on third down. Uh, they were pretty high up on stunt percentage, sixth in stunts. Especially, yeah, I felt stunts. like early on it was a, a ton of stunting up front and a lot of different things too. It was uh, some of the two-man games, your ET and your TE stunts, um, but then also like your Double tackle stunts, you had some three man games, you had the linebackers being worked the in. Jameen
0: Davis stunts in there were really, really well done. As, as using him as a sub rusher,
1: yep. yep. And I felt like it was, a, it was one of the things I wrote down was like Jameen Davis slash Devin White going off of our Devin White conversation from the Bucks last week. Like, um, you know, this is a skill set where you have you know these like uh really like um wound up, uh, hulking but explosive, sudden athletes at linebacker where hey, it's third down, like I don't know if I want this guy one on one with a tight end, I don't know if I I want this guy one-on-one with the back, but this guy is a a lethal blitzer. Let's find different ways to be able to unlock him. It felt like as the year went on, they were putting him in better position to be able to impact the quarterback on third down.
0: Yeah. And one thing I just want to talk about with these two up front, Jonathan Allen, Daron Payne, Mm. I feel like their rushes never stall out. Right. And there's a lot of big guys out there that maybe have a quick first step and really get into the chest of guards or have a violent club or have some light footedness to win, you know, like an Aaron Donald type, but these two, I just felt like had deep rush plans. They had counter moves and they played relentlessly. And I just don't think a lot of that speaks to just how light footed they are. And one of their patented moves that kept coming up is that kind of belly to belly bull rush.
1: That's Jonathan Allen is like oh, offensive lineman. All the league all talk about But this when you watch that.
0: Yep. A lot of times it's because he missed something first. So he missed the chop and got belly to belly or tried to do something with his hands and got clunky and belly to belly. And then immediately it just converts into that second kind of reaction move or the counter move. And it's immediately before you know it, he missed the chop and all of a sudden it's a bull rush. So I just feel like having the light footed ability helps them in their pass rush plan to stay active when the initial moves don't work and lead into other productive moves not just being relentless and playing with effort as they both do so well but having like legitimate counter moves like that belly to belly i just felt like they never stop coming and getting after the quarterback. They're really impressive to watch.
1: Yeah, it just goes back to what I was saying. Like if you if you have all these different ways you can win, and the offensive lineman stops that that hand swipe, or they stop the cross chop, it's like, all right. Well, not only do you have the technical proficiency to then convert that into your bull rush or whatever your counter move is, but then that relentless play style. You know, you mentioned how only three of those scrambles ended up for first downs is because those guys just never stop going for the football. Um, and again, that the, all those different ways to win then it equates to production and just finding ways to be able to rack up hits on the quarterback. Uh, we talked about Montez Sweat. We have talked about Payne. We have talked about Allen. We talked about a lot of these blue-chip guys on this defensive side. Were there any other like kind of like under-the-radar guys that, that kind of stood out to you at certain points? I mean, there were some guys that were in injury reserve that could not play a huge role last year. Like Fedarian Mathis was their second-round pick a year ago. Yep. He was out after, what was it, week one, week two. So uh, I'm interested to see how some of these other guys uh, might be able to take that next step for this defense as well.
0: Yeah, I thought, you know, James Smith-Williams, you know, flashed every now and then, yep. or Casey to, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, there's another guy in there. I'm blanking with F.A.
1: I thought, showed up. He gave him some good reps inside good, Good
0: first steps that are power rushers, also play relentless, you know, just kind of fits the M.O. I don't think any of them are super long or super technical in the way they win, but just very disciplined. They know what their responsibility is, and that's the kind of collective M.O. of this unit, and just kind of projecting this forward and how things are going to change moving forward. Looks like Cody Barton in there, you know, yes. replacing Cole Holcomb Cole in the Holcomb. middle. So it's going to be him and Jameen Davis, which can be a huge change in there anytime we get that voice and that captain of the defense uh, different in the middle. So I root for them to kind of keep it going from last year. And just looking at these rookies with 165 pound Emmanuel Forbes out there as their first round pick and Quan Martin as their second round pick, they're certainly deep in the defensive back room. But like you had set up, you know, a few minutes ago and just projecting forward. Not entirely sure we know where and how all these players are landing. So, um, you know, Forbes is going to strictly be an outside guy. We can all imagine. So that means Fuller and St. Juice compete for the other spot. And then the nickel spot is up for grabs. Long story short, you're six, seven, eight guys deep in that defensive back room right now. Comfortably, that's a good problem to have. Don't worry about where they play yet. They're going to be needed. Depth gets tested. They like their dime packages. Things will work out. Ben, you know
1: who uh who I bet you good money will be the green dot guy for this defense more often than not next year?
0: Like Cameron Curl,
1: it's gonna be Cameron Curl. Uh, yeah. He did it a couple times last year when Holcomb was out, um, and I think that that might be the plan for them. Especially again with how much sub that they play, and obviously as you mentioned, most teams in the NFL are playing sub once you get to third down. But uh, the the uh, the Washington Commanders they were thirtieth in the league uh, in base percentage last year, so you know they're yeah. on the extreme end of it. Only two point eight percent of their snaps on third down were in base defense, and, and a, a lot trend of trend that's, that's been down picking down the up line.
0: with the, uh, the the safety where the green dot. Yeah, that's becoming more. Teams.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. No question. So, um, no, that'll be something to watch. And look, we're going to talk through uh, this team a little bit more as we get into September. But uh, Ben, you and I, you know, we typically once we get into the summer, we'll start looking ahead to those first few opponents for the Eagles. And I hope everybody has enjoyed this series so far. We've got uh, only a couple weeks left until Eagles training camp. Uh, I've got a couple episodes in mind until then. We're going to have some draft talk as well here uh, in the coming weeks here on the podcast feed. So uh, make sure you stay tuned right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.